Welcome to the Let's Ditch Misophonia podcast. I'm your host, Brooklyn, and I'm sharing how unconscious reprogramming helped me eliminate my own misophonia after more than 20 years of suffering. I'm also sharing how I support my clients using the same tools and modalities to help them lessen trigger sounds, alleviate the suffering they experience from misophonia, and create more joy in their lives. My degree in communication, coupled with my training and certification in working with the unconscious mind, creates a coaching environment with a unique approach to get you results. So with that being said, let's dive into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Ditch Misphonia podcast. And I first want to thank you for adjusting to kind of the the funky schedule that we've had over the last few weeks. I am very committed to continuing to produce the podcast. However, there has been a lot going on in my life over the last few weeks. I actually just got back from a business conference in California, and that was absolutely amazing. I truly met some amazing lifelong friends, and I also made a very scary but very exciting investment in myself and my future that is going to support me in becoming an even better coach and really serving all of you in the best way possible. So it was an absolutely amazing weekend, but of course a lot of preparation went into getting ready for that, and so I had to cut some things off of the to-do list, and unfortunately, editing the new podcast episode was one of them. So I'm recording this one today. I actually recorded it before I left, but I felt like I was kind of in a hurry because it was actually the day that I was leaving for California, and so I wanted to re-record the episode in you know, from a more aligned place. And this is an episode that I've been wanting to record for weeks because I'm going to be sharing with you today a really powerful shift in language. It's something so simple, but the ripple effects can be absolutely incredible. And so I'll share with you why it was so effective in my life. And then I'll share a little bit about how that can apply to your journey with misophonia. So I'm really excited for today's episode. And like I said, I'm working on the consistency. I want to have new episodes coming out each Monday. Things have just been a little hectic, but you're getting this episode today. And then there should be um, episodes coming out regularly on Mondays from here on out. Before we dive into today's episode, though, I do want to share something really, really exciting. I am hosting another free event. I love doing as much free coaching as possible. And so I am going to be hosting the Resist and Recover from Misophonia Triggers training. It's absolutely free. Go to the show notes to get the link and register. Make sure you register even if you can't attend live because there will be a recording that's available for a limited time after the training ends. So make sure you sign up, whether you can join us live or not, be sure to register. And this training is going to walk you through how you can actually release that anticipation that you have when you are scanning your environment for trigger sounds. So you're feeling, you know, that frustration and anxiety and you're not even hearing your triggers. It's just that anticipation that can cause that discomfort. So we're going to be talking about how you can release that. And I'm also going to be sharing with you some strategies to recover faster after you've been triggered. So starting here, starting with the before and after, it really 
allows you to get to a space where then you can work on eliminating your reaction to trigger sounds in the present. But this is a great place to start. And so this training really is the first step in your journey to misophonia relief. And again, it's absolutely free. So make sure you click the link in the show notes to register for the Resist and Recover from Misophonia Triggers free training. It is going to be hosted When this comes out, it's going to be hosted next week on December the 13th. And like I said, if you can't make it live, be sure you still register because you will get access to the recording. And I can't wait to to see you there. You know, the the podcast is one of is my primary way that I can deliver free support. But we can't go as deep in a podcast episode as we can when we are live in a container together. So I'm really excited to host this again link in the show notes. And you know what? Now let's dive in for or dive into the content for this episode. So this is a languaging hack, if you will, that I first discovered in college when I was studying nonviolent communication. And so there's this really amazing book by, I want to say Marshall Rosenberg. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Communication, yes, by Marshall Rosenberg. Look at that. I had it correct. It's called Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life, Marshall Rosenberg. And this book is one of my favorite books that I've ever read. The concepts in this book are are fairly simple. It's applying them and actually implementing them that can be challenging. But one of the kind of resources in this book that our, our professor had us do and what honestly changed my life was a very simple languaging hack, if you will. So our professor had us start by writing down in that moment all of the things in our life that we feel like we had to do. And at that time, I was really struggling. That's probably the most severe my misophonia has ever been. And then in addition to that, I was also in a really bad IBS flare-up. I was in the hospital getting tests done. At one point, I had to drive myself to the hospital to the ER in the middle of the night. And then uh, because I had had an endoscopy and then I got a, a really bad sinus infection after that. So I went to the ER. I was covered in hives. And then the ER doctor didn't prescribe the medicine the, the way that he was supposed to. And so I ended up, the hives came back even stronger and I had to rush to my doctor's office. I, I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. I think I missed like two weeks of, of school just because I was sick and, and struggling. And I was also working a full-time job at a car wash at the time. I was working 40 plus hours every week while trying to get my degree, while balancing a relationship and friendships and family relationships. And it was just a really, really difficult time in my life. And I remember feeling just really helpless and really hopeless. Sitting in this class, I I wrote down quite a few things, but the two that I really remember and the two that I'll touch on for this podcast, the first one was I have to work 40 plus hours a week. The second one was I have to take 15 credit hours every semester. So after we wrote down kind of our have to statements, things that we feel like we had to do, the next part of that was then writing down the why behind. Like, why do you have to do these things? And so that first one, I have to work 40 plus hours a week, I wrote down so that I can pay my bills. And for the second one, 
I have to take 15 credit hours a semester, I wrote down, because I have to graduate in four years. This was now the part of the exercise, part three that I'm going to go into, that really shifted everything for me. So our professor said, okay, I want you to look at all of those have-to statements. I want you to pick a few of them, and I picked the two that I shared with you. And I, I, I'm describing this to the, my, like the best of my memory. I don't know if this is exactly how it happened. This was years and years ago, but the, you get the gist, right? And so I, I want you to take those statements, and I want you to shift them from have-to to choose to. Because the thing is, we give away so much power in our lives just through the language that we use, and we don't even realize that we're doing it. We have more autonomy and authority and choice than people would like us to believe. Now, this is an extreme example, okay? But I'm going to use it because I, it gets the point across of, of what I mean here. Let's say that you are walking to your car Like, let's say that you work at a bank and you're walking to your car at night and someone comes up to you and they have a gun. Okay, so trigger warning if this has happened to you, maybe skip ahead a few minutes. But let's say that you're walking to your car, someone has a gun and they say, give me, give me all the money. In that situation, it may feel like you have no choice, like you have to give them the money. But if you break it down, why are you handing the money over to them? Probably because it's your best chance for survival and you want to live. You don't have to give that money to them. You could make them like physically pry it out of your hands. You could tell them no. It may not end well for you, but that's still a choice that you have. And so you're choosing most likely to hand over the money without a fight because you want to survive. Now, let's say that you feel like, you know, you can take on this this person and you can you know, get the gun away from them or you're stronger or whatever, then you might choose to say no and you might choose to take your chances. And so again, in this situation, this is an extreme example, right? It feels like you don't have a choice, but really you are making a choice by choosing to give them the money. And so back to my examples I had, I have to work 40 plus hours a week because I want to pay my bills and I have to take 15 credit hours so that I can graduate in four years. I shifted these statements to, I'm choosing to work 40 plus hours a week so that I can pay my bills. I'm choosing to take 15 credit hours a semester so that I can graduate in four years. And what happened is when I did this, not only did it give me that power back because I realized that I was actually choosing to create this life, but it also got me to look at the end goal. One of them being so that I can pay my bills and the other being to graduate in four years. And so that first one, so that I can pay my bills, I realized that I was actually paying my bills and I still had money left over. I was very fortunate in college that I had a a pretty decent job. They also provided tuition assistance. And so, you know, working as a manager there and working some overtime, I was actually making more that I needed to survive. And so I said, wait a minute, if my goal is truly to just be able to pay my bills and make it through college, do I actually need to be putting myself through the struggle of working 40 plus hours a week in management? 
And the answer was no. And so I actually did something really wild. And I went to the general manager and I asked if I could demote myself back to just a regular full-time employee instead of a member of the management team. And I'm very grateful that my manager was really understanding. He could see that I was struggling. He, he truly cared about me and, and my well-being. And so he made that happen for me. And so I was able to go back to a full-time associate, which meant I only had to work 30 hours a week in order to keep my full-time status. And those 30 hours a week, sometimes more if I wanted to pick up extra shifts, it allowed me to pay my bills. You know, I didn't have a ton left over, but I was able to achieve my goal of paying my bills and getting my way through college. And that was a huge stress that was taken off of my shoulders because I got to go into work. I got to clock in, do my job, clock out and leave. I didn't have to attend extra meetings. I wasn't responsible for anyone else. It was just showing up and going home so that once I left work, I could truly focus on homework or my relationship or family relationships or friendships. I could be at work when I was at work and be somewhere else when I left work. I didn't have all of that added responsibility and it was truly life-saving. It helped me so so much. And that is something that I never would have considered doing if I didn't do that exercise, shifting from have to to choose to, and really taking a look at what it is that I wanted to achieve and realizing that there were other ways to achieve that goal, ways that were going to be more useful and healthier for me as I finish my degree. And now that second one, I'm choosing to take 15 credit hours so I can graduate in four years. I looked at that goal of graduating in four years and I asked myself, do I actually care about graduating in four years? And the answer was no. I couldn't think of a reason why I had to graduate in four years versus four and a half or five or even five and a half years. And I realized it was someone else's goal that I thought I was supposed to achieve. I remember orientation day when I went into college and they talked about how important it was to graduate in four years because of all the student loans and extra time you'd have to put in and all these other reasons that they gave us. I don't even remember them all because it was never something that I cared about. And so I realized I took someone else's, you know, standard for success and applied it to myself. And it was actually causing me pain. It was causing me suffering. And so I went to my guidance counselor and I said, this is too much. 15 credit hours is too much for me. And you know what? At first I did feel a little defeated. I'm like, everyone else can do it. Why can't I? And I realized that way of thinking just wasn't useful. Who cares what's working for other people? This is my life. And if I want to successfully get my degree and graduate from college, things had to change. And so I went from 15 credit hours a semester to 12. So I was still considered full-time. I still got my loans and everything, and I was able to, to pay for college. And you know what? It did take me four and a half years to graduate. I had to go an extra semester. So all of my friends who I, I went to high school with and, and the ones who went to the same college as me, they graduated and they were done. They were going out into the world. They were, you know, a few of them had their own businesses. They were getting jobs and they were off. And so I basically was dropped into all of these classes with people that I really didn't know that well for the last semester. And I actually graduated in 
December of 2018, but there wasn't like a ceremony to walk. And so I had to walk with all of the the May graduates in 2019, which was such an odd feeling because I had been graduated for several months at that point. But you know what? In the grand scheme of things, getting my degree in four and a half years instead of four, it doesn't matter. I still have the piece of paper. I still put in the work. And I was able to build new relationships through the the people that I met in in that last semester. In fact, I actually won the Academic Achievement Award in the communication department in my, my last semester. That is not something that I would have been able to do if I kept pushing myself to work 40 plus hours a week to take 15 credit hours to graduate in four years. It wouldn't have been possible. I was able to really assess what it was that I wanted in my life and figure out the most effective way to get there. And so it's a really simple shift. It's just taking the things that you feel like you have to do and realizing that there's a choice. It's so simple, but that simple little shift has amazing ripple effects. Those two decisions that I made completely changed my life and it was really the start of me kind of stepping out of victim mode and into creator mode and really taking responsibility for my life. Because up until that point, I was very pessimistic and depressed and anxious and just really didn't see or didn't really have a lot of motivation to to live my life. And it still took a few years even after that to really get to a more happy, optimistic place. But that was really the turning point. That was the start of me intentionally shifting my mindset to be able to create a reality that I truly desired. And that created so much relief and relief and and joy in my life. And that was before I even started working on my misophonia. But because I wasn't sick all the time and I wasn't stressed, I was better able to manage my misophonia through through the rest of college. And so I really wanted to share this with you because now you might be wondering, well, how does this apply to my journey with misophonia? So let's say that you are, you know, where it's around the holiday times. Let's say if you celebrate Christmas, let's say you're at a a Christmas family gathering and maybe you have your earbuds in or your earplugs on at the dinner table. And maybe someone asks you, you know, why are you wearing those earplugs? Your response might be something like, oh, well, I have to wear them. That simple sentence of I have to wear them, you're giving away the choice that you have in your life. You're giving away that authority and that autonomy. What if instead you could shift it to I'm choosing to wear them so that I can enjoy my time with all of you, right? It's a simple tool that you use and then it blocks out, filters out some of those noises so that you're more, you're easily able to, or better able, I think that's the word I'm looking for, you're better able to spend time with your family. What's more empowering? I have to wear these or I'm choosing to wear them so that I can enjoy my time. The second one, right? Because it's a choice that you are making. It's an empowering choice that you have recognized is beneficial for you in your life so that you actually get to spend time with the people that you love. And when you answer that question in an empowering way, it doesn't open you up to a million other questions. It also 
allows that family member, whoever it may be, to see that you are taking care of yourself and you are doing what helps you to enjoy your time. It actually shows that you are making efforts because you truly want to spend time with them. So it's showing that you care about them. It's showing your love for them because you're choosing to do something so that you can more easily interact with everyone and and spend time with them. So again, I'm, I'm rambling here, but it's a really simple shift that can make such a huge difference. And whenever I find myself, I don't say it very much anymore, But if I do ever catch myself saying like, oh, I have to go to work this morning, I will shift it to, you know what, I'm choosing to go to work because I want to get these projects done. Or I'm choosing to go to work because I actually enjoy my coworkers. Or I'm choosing to go to work because, very simply, I want want a paycheck. I want to pay my bills, right? I want to fund all of the amazing fun things that I get to do in my life. So again, this is an episode that I've been wanting to share for several weeks, and I'm, I'm happy that I chose to re-record it because I was able to record it from a place that's more aligned, and I didn't feel as rushed, and also I was sick for a few weeks, and now my voice is a lot better. So thank you very much for following along with me in this episode. You'll have to try out this languaging hack, if you will, and let me know over on my Instagram at Brooklyn Dish, what results you see from it. And again, make sure in the show notes, click the link to register for the Resist and Recover Misophonia Triggers. Resist and Recover from Misophonia Triggers training. It's absolutely free. You just sign up with your name and your email. And the next week we're going to be going live. And the mission of this training, again, is to help you dissipate the anticipation you experience when you are expecting trigger sounds in your environment and also to support you in recovering faster after you've been triggered because you're not just suffering and feeling discomfort. It's likely anyway that you're not just suffering when the actual sound is happening. It's likely that you're suffering before and after because consciously we know after the sound has happened and before it's happened that there isn't actually a trigger sound that we're hearing but because we are thinking about it because we're anticipating it or because we're thinking about how frustrating and annoying it was unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between something you're imagining and something that's really happening and so unconscious mind is reading it as happening right now and that's why you feel that anger that frustration that anxiety even though the sound isn't actively happening And so I'm going to support you in, again, dissipating that anticipation and also recovering faster after you've been triggered. And then this work, this first step is going to be a really good stepping stone to eventually eliminating the reaction to the sounds in the present. So again, this is really your first step in your journey to misophonia relief, and I am super excited to walk you through it. We'll be using some unconscious reprogramming techniques. Of course, you know, I love my unconscious reprogramming to help you achieve this. So again, click the link below to register. And when you are, or when you're down there, I don't know, is the the place where you can leave a review near the show notes? I feel like maybe it is. I guess it just depends on which platform you're on. But hey, while you're doing all that administrative stuff, make sure you leave a review. It really helps others to find the podcast and get the support they need in lessening the suffering they've experienced from misophonia. So again, thank you so much for hanging out with me and I can't wait to share even more tips and tricks with you in the next episode. 